shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, He touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me Since I met this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole, I will ever cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me, oh, He touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me. Amen. Give Lila a hand. She was here early. I was just picking on her. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, would you please turn to the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, as we get into the study of God's Word tonight. I hope to finish these first five verses, God being our helper. It, uh, this is our 26th week. And going into this study, we're taking it verse by verse and trying our best to rightly divide the Word of God. And if you have your place, I would kindly ask you to stand for the reverence of the reading of God's Word in prayer for the message. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne." 
Father, we do love you, God. We pray that you'd add your blessings to your word. Help us, dear God, in the study tonight to better understand what is happening here in the book of Revelation. And God, we'll thank you so much for what you do for us. We'll praise you, thank you, and give you glory and honor. In Christ's name we ask, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated tonight. I believe this is one of the most revealing and fascinating chapters in all the Bible. It rolls back a curtain tonight between earth and heaven. And shows you what lies behind all the sin and evil and all the conflict and the struggle that is in this world. It reveals a great spiritual struggle occurring behind the scenes. And in the last days that spiritual struggle is going to become more intense than ever. Folks, if you believe there's not a spiritual struggle tonight, you are badly mistaken. We are in a spiritual battle. Everyone is in a spiritual battle. If we could see into the spiritual realm above us tonight, we could see a constant battle between heaven and hell. I do believe that uh, hell is fighting strong against the Christian. If there's anybody that's wanting you discouraged, down and out, and turn around and quit tonight, it is the devil himself. This word here in the scripture, when he speaks of the great tribulation... That word great means that uh, the most intense and terrible tribulation the world has ever seen is about to be displayed. But, But why does the world suffer tribulation? Why does there have to be tribulation upon this earth? And why will there be such intense and terrible tribulation in the end time? Well, this passage tells us and it shows us Uh, The great spiritual warfare that is being waged. And we know that hell's going to fight hard. But thank God we know who's going to win the battle. Matter of fact, not only is he going to win the battle, he's going to win the entire war. Amen. And I am so happy tonight to know that I'm on the winning side. Let me make clear tonight for the scripture that we are studying is for information. uh, Because uh, you are not going to be here if you're saved during what we're speaking about tonight. We're going to be called up into the clouds to meet the Lord, either by the resurrection or the rapture. You name it. We're going to, both, we're going to be out of here. Amen. The dead in Christ arise first. Those which are saved are going to go and meet them in the air. And we're going to be forever with the Lord Jesus. But as we look into the scripture, if you have your outline with you on number one there, there's a characters that we want to talk about tonight that are in the great tribulation. And here in the scripture in the chapter number 12, The scripture mentions a woman child. But note how this woman burst upon the scene. She said to be a a great wonder there in the scripture. Or a great sign in heaven. Note also that she is in heaven. This means that she is a heavenly representative of some earthly people. So who is the woman on earth? Who is this woman in heaven? Who are the people that she is representing? This woman isn't identified, but it's clear who she is. Now let's look at the scripture closely tonight. She's clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet. She has upon her head a crown of stars. And this refers back to the Old Testament to a dream that Joseph had all the way back in Genesis 37. Isn't it amazing how you can correlate these scriptures together and see where it is spoken about in the very first book And then be spoken about again in the very last book. Genesis chapter number 37 verse 9 through 11. I'll read it to you tonight. The Bible says, And he dreamed yet another dream. 
and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made abiance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to earth, thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So Jacob understood exactly what Joseph meant. The sun represented the father Jacob. The moon represented the mother. And the twelve stars represented the brothers. And the dream was a picture of Israel. And Joseph was dreaming that Israel would be saved from the destruction through him. But she's pregnant with a child. It's pictured being born even here in the scripture. But note what it says about this child that is being born in this time of trouble. It clearly refers to Jesus Christ as being that particular child. He and he alone was born to rule all the nations. And he alone was exalted to the throne of God. And it's a clear reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. But that doesn't tell us who this woman is. Now, many of people will automatically say, well, this has got to be Mary that they're talking about here. If Jesus is the child, then you've got to be talking about Mary. Well, there's just too many supernatural things said about this woman for her to be an earthly being. I'm going somewhere. Some say it's Mary. Some say it's the church. The church itself. Some say that the woman represents Israel, the very people that gave birth to Jesus Christ. Now, this seems to be the clearest identification tonight in the reference of Revelation 12 of who this woman that they're speaking of. It's representing Israel, the nation of Israel, the clearest identification. And as we progress through the message tonight, we'll see that everything said about this woman fits Israel just like a glove. But if you look at number two on your outline, the Bible speaks of another character, Satan, the dragon, if you will. The great red dragon, that is the devil. Note that the dragon is also said to be a wonder or a sign in heaven. Now, there's three significant things that need to be uh, mentioned tonight about this sign. There's the description and the authority of the dragon or the devil or Satan himself. The description is entirely different from what most people think. As we've mentioned in the past, some people think that Satan has two horns, a long tail, and holds a pitchfork in his hand. But it is a terrible misconception of who Satan really is. When Satan was created, he was created an archangel. He was created a being in heaven that was in charge of the choir. A being that was uh, rebellious unto God. A creation that rebelled against God and was thwarted outside of the gates of heaven because he tried to overtake God himself. Folks, it ought to be a good lesson to you and I today. We serve a God in heaven. We ought to let him have his will and his way in our lives. And we ought not try to be our own God because we already have one. He is the God of heaven. He is the great I am. 
He is the one that is, was, and always will be. He's the one that can answer prayer. He's the one that can save soul. He can one that one that can remove cancer from a body. He is the one that can bless. He's the one that can heal. He's the one that can take care of anybody that trusts in him. The problem is we have a problem trusting him. But we need to trust him. But the Bible speaks specifically about this dragon tonight. The Bible says that Satan has seven heads here in the scripture. Now this is just symbolic of his power. When he speaks of seven heads, seven is the number of completeness and fullness. And Satan is complete and intelligent. He has knowledge, if you will. He's not omniscient like our God. Meaning he doesn't know everything, but he is very knowledgeable. He is complete and he is full. In other words, he has power, but he doesn't have all power. Satan has said to here in the scripture to be having seven crowns, which symbolizes authority and rule and dominion. A crowned ruler who has a kingdom that he rules over. Scripture clearly states that Satan is a crowned ruler and he is in an authoritative position of those that are lost. And basically he is mentioned here in the word of God as being the prince of this world. He is the prince of this world. The Bible tells us that he's the prince of the power of the air and he is the king of a kingdom. But what kingdom is he king over? He is kingdom over the lost kingdom. He is kingdom over this wicked world. And the kingdom that is inside this wicked world. He is the king over the lost. He is the king over the sinful. He is the king over those that are ungodly today. And have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. He has his grip upon the whole world tonight. And we know that by looking at what's going on around us. Verse John five nineteen says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Folks, this is a wicked place that we live in. We can't help that we live in a wicked place. But my friend, we sure can attempt to try to change this wicked place. Is it going to happen? I'll be honest with you, I don't believe it will. I've been talking with preachers. I've been discussing and debating. Many of preachers wonder, will a great revival ever come to our land again? My friend, I don't know. God can do anything. God can send anything. But what we're seeing and what's more likely is just pockets of revival from time to time that break out in certain areas, uh, maybe in certain churches or certain towns uh, or certain cities. Uh, but as far as that revival spreading across the United States of America, the likelihood of that is probably few and far between. Why? Because of wickedness. Why? Because of sin. Why? Because people are in the attitude of really wanting to and desiring. We're really not maybe desiring, but getting comfortable living without revival in their hearts and in this land. And a lot of times people, I met with a businessman this past Monday. We met over to Cracker Barrel and he's trying to pull pastors together and he's trying to pull leaders together uh, to have a voice, to try to uh, make a difference in the state of South Carolina. And folks, we can do that and we can pull together and we can make some noise. But the thing is, we're outnumbered by the majority tonight. 
We're outnumbered by the wickedness of people. But we've still got a strong voice if we'll choose to exercise it. The problem is we've buried our head in the sand for too long. And it seems like we don't have any voice at all. But I'm here to tell you we still have a Christian voice. We still serve a God that can do all things. Amen. I still praise the Lord for the revival. that I, I think it's still going on down in Conway. I'm not sure. Uh, there was up to about five or six weeks uh, down in Conway, down toward Myrtle Beach. And over 1,400 people had been saved in that revival in just a few short weeks. That's when God's doing something. That's when God is moving inside the hearts of the people of that area and inside the area of that church in which it ministers. The Bible speaks there of the, the, the dragon, the devil, the, 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 the tail that draws. Uh, this statement is telling where Satan came from, of course, here in the Scripture. Uh, but if you look at it in its original language, the Bible speaks of the tail drawing, a third part of heaven. Uh, if you'll remember when, when the devil got kicked out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. And they fell with it. And that's what that's making reference to. And uh, so, you know what that tells me? Uh, the devil might have got a third of them, but praise God, there's two-thirds of them left. Amen. Amen. So, don't think that uh, we're completely defeated tonight. Um, but uh, we are fighting a battle, and a spiritual battle, uh, each and every day. Today, at this present moment, I believe Satan has authority over those fallen angels. His name's Lucifer. Which means uh, in the scripture, and back in the original language, means star of the morning. He was an anointed cherubim, if you would. That angel that we spoke of who covered the very throne of God himself. But something happened to him, and he did what many of us do. Uh, we began to look at ourselves and began to want to live a life that we want to live instead of what God wants us to live. Now, my friend, let me tell you something tonight. I want to be on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. And I want to live my life according to thus saith the word of God. And not what I think about it. And not what anybody else thinks about it. But let's see what God thinks about it. Amen. Uh, the Bible is a lamp. And a light. To you and I that are walking in this world. And we can find our paths through the word of God. But the problem is we want to make our own path. And when we make our own paths, we get out of the will of God. And when we get out of the will of God, we remain in a, a flux, if you will, of a, a spiritual turmoil. Because we're not in the will of God. What does the scripture say about it? About the fallen angel in Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12 through 15. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto, into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. There's the aim of the dragon. There's the aim of the devil. He aims to devour the woman. He aims to devour Israel. You can see that throughout the scripture. 
Why is he doing this? Because it is, it, 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 he's out to get back at God for judging him. He's out to hurt God. He's out to hurt the heart of God. If there's any way possible he can, that's what he's trying to do. But go way back in history. We know that God promised to send a Savior to this world. And everywhere that you look in the Scripture, from the very beginning in the book, in the garden, all the way up until the book of Revelation, all the way up to Jesus Christ and, and so on, we know that the devil has attempted to stomp out that seed that would eventually be the Lord Jesus Christ. That seed that Israel would produce and be the Savior. So if you look at it that way tonight, you can see the many things that have caused disturbance. Revelation 12, 4, the Bible said there, the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Satan's tried to destroy this seed. That seed, that line of whom the promised seed was to come. Now if you think about it like this, from the very beginning there was the line of Abel, Adam's son. Satan led Cain to kill Abel. But God gave Adam another son who was Seth that fixed that situation. There was the early line of the godly seed. Satan led the godly line to mix with the ungodly and led them unto vile wickedness. And God had to destroy the entire earth. But God raised up a man by the name of Noah. There was a line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Satan led Esau to threaten to kill his brother, Jacob. But God protected Jacob in the whole ordeal. There was a line of the children of Israel. And Satan led Pharaoh to attempt to kill the male babies of Israel. But God saved Moses. You can see all of this down through history. Where Satan's tried to stomp out that seed. <laughs> but it didn't work. There was the line of David. Satan led son after son of David into sin and to murder and to disqualify themselves. But God always kept at least one son of David alive. It's, 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 it's amazing. There was a line of the sons of David. Satan led Jehoram, one of Jehoshaphat's son, to kill all his brothers. But God caused the sons to be born to Jehoram to carry on the line. There was the line of Jeho Jehoshaphat's son. Satan led an enemy to come in and kill all the sons. But one, Ahazi. Some of these names you may not be familiar with tonight. But it's all in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you had the line of Ahaziah. And Satan led Jehu to kill Ahaziah. And the queen's mother, Athelia, took over the throne. And it, and, it, and it continued to roll. And, and, and although all the kids, all the sons were killed, God led the wife of the high priest to save one small baby by the name of Joash. And at this point, the line of the promised seed rested in the saving of that little baby's life. And there was a line of the chosen peoples. There was a line of the promised seed, Jesus himself. He, he led King Herod to slay all the babies in Bethlehem in an attempt to kill the promised child. But God warned Joseph, told Joseph to flee with the child. There was the line of Jesus himself in the temptation. As Satan tempted to cast him off the temple mount. And secure, to secure loyalty and worship of the people. 
But instead, God stood up and done it God's way and went to the cross anyway, although Satan continued to try to destroy him. The line of the promised seed of the hometown of Nazareth. It's there. The line of the promised seed. Jesus himself facing all the religionists as they called for him to be hung on the cross. And Satan thought he had won when Jesus went to the cross. Satan thought he had won when Jesus died for you and I. When Satan seen that Jesus was buried inside the tomb, he knew that he had won victory. But surprise, surprise, surprise. On the third day, the Lord Jesus Christ got up and my friend resurrected himself up from the grave and now lives at the right hand of the Father, alive and well, sitting at the right hand of the Father after the ascension, making intercession for you and I. Aren't you glad that he's alive? Satan didn't stomp out the seed all the way down through the history of time he tried to destroy Israel he tried to destroy where the seed would come from but he failed and failed miserably this is how Satan's tried to hurt God he wanted to devour Israel he's wanted to take out Israel because out of Israel was going to come the son of God the Lord Himself, Jesus Christ. And even when people do repent, listen to this tonight. Even when people do repent and turn and follow Christ, doesn't Satan do all he can do to turn those followers of the Lord away from him? I tell you what, God saved us for a reason today. I believe He saved us to worship Him, to serve Him. And to spread the good news. We've made our reservation sure. We're going to a place called heaven. The very first things, Aaron, we tell an individual. They get saved on an altar of prayer when they get up. Because a lot of people don't know what to do from there. Get yourself in church. Stay in church. Pray and read the word of God. Because Satan's going to battle you this week. Satan's going to fight you. Satan's going to try to tear you down. Satan's going to try to uh, uh, turn the light out of your testimony that you have that God has given you. If you are saved today, you've got a story to tell. You've got something to say about how the Lord has delivered you from this old wicked world that we live in. And I'm glad to know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Aren't you glad that you're on your way tonight? Amen. Listen, whether it be by uh, us popping up out of the tomb of the ground or, or being just lifted up off of this earth by the power of God when he comes to get us I know my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life I have surety of knowing that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life but there is a battle that goes on each and every day in the hearts and minds of those that are saved we're not perfect tonight we're not going to be perfect it is a battle and it is a real battle and it is a warfare. We see here in the scripture how the struggle is going to intensify in the great tribulation. Although the present passage that we're reading about is dealing primarily with the great tribulation, the same spiritual struggle is waged in every generation down through history. Satan is out to turn every person he can away from God. He wants to follow. 
He wants you to follow him instead of God. He wants the obedience of people instead of people giving their obedience and loyalty to God. So does that happen? I'm here to tell you it happens. It was in Sunday school Sunday morning. And uh, Joe Floyd said he was talking about one of his friends who was a, was a Christian, a believer, knows the Lord. And had been over the Lord for a long time. But he said his friend stood up in church one day and denounced his faith. Told the entire church, his friend did, that he no longer believes in a God. Now there's either two things wrong with this problem. Maybe more than that. Number one, either this man was never truly saved to begin with. Or number two, he has committed apostasy. Means he has fell back on God. And there's not going to be any hope for this man. I'm here to tell you. That is a dangerous situation to be in tonight. But that's how Satan works in the minds of people. That's how Satan works in the spirit of what God's trying to do. If he can throw a monkey wrench in the plans of a church. If he can try to disturb a family. If he can try to uh, damper your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will do it. I know I've been there. I fought with the enemy. Some of you have fought with the enemy. And my friends, it's not a pleasant, pleasant fight. The problem is we try to fight him all alone. And we can't. He's more powerful than we are. But thank God I got somebody living inside of me that's more powerful than he is. And we have to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Then we see number three, the third character in the great tribulation, Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, we know, was born and sent to this world to rule the world. He's sent by God to do God's work, to bring godliness and righteousness to this earth, to use a rod of iron of judgment in order to get rid of sin and ungodliness in this world. This he did, and he did it by the way of the cross. Upon the cross, Jesus made it possible for men to be forgiven their sin, be forgiven of their sin and to stand before God and to stand before God free of sin. He did this by bearing those sins amongst himself. Christ also used the rod of iron against the nations of the world. Against all the ungodly and the evil of the world in the end time. Jesus will use that rod of iron. He shall rule all nations. Bring righteousness and godliness to this earth. By exerting all authority and discipline of God. Needed to get the job done. Jesus ascended and was exalted to the throne of God. And this is proof that he shall rule and reign. And bring righteousness to the earth. I want to finish up with just a few scriptures tonight. When we speak about the power of God. Luke chapter 22 and verse 69. The Bible says. Hereafter shall the son of man sit. On the right hand. Of the power. Of God. Romans 1 4. And declared to be the son. Of God with power. According to the spirit of holiness. By the resurrection from the dead. Ephesians 1.20, which he wrought in Christ 
when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. I've got an advocate with the Father tonight that's sitting at the right hand of God. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's serving with power and authority. But this world and wickedness has not seen Him rule with that iron rod yet. But they will. In the end times, when the church is already left here, and tribulation and all hell is broken loose on this earth, I'm here to tell you, that is when the wicked will understand and know that there is a God. For the scripture still tells us that every knee is going to bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. I'm glad that I know this Lord tonight. I'm glad that I know that I can pillow my head and not worry about a thing for in the morning. If tomorrow comes, that'll be wonderful. If Jesus calls us on in the middle of the night, that'll be fine as well. I'm glad that I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one that that's going to rule the world. Uh, one that's going to rule forever. After all of this has come to pass. As he sits up his kingdom. Here on this earth. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. Amen. Amen. Sister Lila. If you'll come around and just play us something for invitation. Just something softly. I ask you to stand. Across the congregation tonight. I know we've already had altar prayer and we've gathered around and prayed and asked God to help us tonight. You may have another need you need to bring to him tonight. and We don't ever want to end the service, whether it be Bible study or preaching on Sunday morning, Sunday night. We don't ever want to end the service without giving an opportunity for someone to come pray. If you've got a need tonight, this invitation is for you. Let the Lord bless you. Let God help you. Let us pray. Father, in heaven, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, as we come to you one more time on this side of heaven, we ask you, Lord, to touch each and every heart. Bless each and every one that's here. Help us to do thy will. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You come if you've got a need tonight. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And uh, we'll pick up next week with verse number six. This is the first um, Bible study of this Lent that we have tried to accomplish here. Uh, we have done it one other time before. It lasted some 50-some weeks. But um, I hope it's been educational to you. And I hope it's helping you understand what lies ahead. And I mention this often during this study because people may say, well, preacher, that's going to be happening when we're left here. And when we're left from here, 
what does that matter to us? Well, just maybe it'll give you a tool to use to win somebody to Christ. Because everybody needs saved, amen? They need to know what's going to happen at this place. This earth that we live in and how it's going to be transformed. We've already studied a lot about that. How it's going to be changed. The torment that's going to be down upon this earth. And as we continue to move forward, we desire your prayers tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Be back Sunday morning, 10 o'clock Sunday school, 11 o'clock be worship. Thank you folks for being with us tonight, okay? God bless you. We'll be ready for worshiping the Lord uh, bright and early Sunday morning, okay? Come energized, looking for something great to be happening in the house of God. Brother Aaron, dismiss us in a word of prayer.